Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Saido and Marina Ganan. In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Okay. Hello, Marina. Hi, Misha. How are you today? Unbelievable. It is December the 30th. It is December the 30th. A year coming to an end. And, the, and this is our last episode for this year. It's been quite a journey, no? Have you enjoyed it has been. the explorations? Yeah. You know what? I am surprised. So we have recorded 20 plus episodes. And for me, it, feel, it feels like we are just starting out. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it has to do with the fact that every exploration is new and every exploration is from a blank page. So it it doesn't really feel like it's been adding up to anything. It's just, okay, let's look at life again today and see what we see. Or maybe it has to do with me being incredibly deep and smart. That too, also, of course. I mean, that is just the other ingredient in the equation. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we share what we learned? I don't know if one episode year? will be enough for that, but okay, let's try. What, what a, a year, year. Right? man, what 2020. A... Who knew, right? Yeah. Who knew? I was, I was talking to a friend last night and she was telling me, I look back at the person I was at the beginning of this year and I cannot believe the transformation I have had. But that seems to be the case for so many. No, Misha? Including yeah, us, I mean, well, I'll speak for myself, including myself, yeah. I mean, including myself as well. It has been probably the year of transformation for myself as well. Like the most perceived, obviously by myself, transformation I ever experienced. Really interesting. So can we... Go back. Do you remember many years like that in life? I remember a couple of years like that in my life besides this one. Yeah. And for some reason, it usually has to do with the, the, the years ending in seven, you know, like 97, 2007, 2017, more or less. But oh my God, yes, this one was, was just like a double seven. <laughs> Yeah, it's like every 10 years or so, right? Every 10 years or so, we have a year like that. Well, I don't know. Do you think that, do, do you have that experience as well? This is the, actually the first year that I experienced. So last time I remember, you know, economies crushing, stuff happening, was in 2008 and I like I was 
how old? I guess 24 or 23 years old. So actually less, I think I was 22. Um, and I did not feel like I, I literally felt nothing at all. Numbed out. Like, not that I was numbed out. Like I didn't care. I could not care less about what was happening. And I did not feel that year economically or emotionally. Like for me, life was as always as usual. And then in 1997 or 98, so that was another, I guess, crisis or something was happening. And there was like SARS, Ebola, that kind of stuff in between, right? Again, can't say that I truly experienced that. So this is the first year I kind of experienced from the beginning to to the end, even though the end probably is not yet there, right? So like experience from the very, very beginning. How about you? Well, yeah, I don't know. I like <laughs> what's interesting about this year is that it is across the board. Everybody is going through trans transformation. Everybody is going through tremendous difficulty. Everybody is going through change and loss and creation and opportunity and, and everything. And so there seems to be more resonance around it. I feel less alone than the other than the other years where where I experience crisis. So I can I can mm. relate to people differently. Like the other years when I had huge crisis, everybody seemed to be doing okay, more or less. And so it felt like I had to endure it somehow, you know, just hold on, push, push through, you know. And somehow a lot of people helped me. But this year, it felt it feels like everybody was helping everybody. There was a different kind of companionship happening. Way more compassionate, way more, with way more empathy. Everybody kind of understood what others were going through. No? And that made it beautiful. That made it incredibly beautiful. You know this phrase, there is always 5 a.m. for somebody? No, tell me. So we are all in yes. different time zones, right? So even though for us it's noon or like 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. for you, right? But there is a big number of people for whom it is yes. 5 p.m. right now. Yeah. Right? So the idea of this phrase, there is always 5, 5 a.m. for someone means that there is always crisis yeah. for someone. And the only difference this year is that it happened so that 5 a.m. has happened <laughs> for all of us. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And we were able to feel that the same way we were able to 
share the pain and transformation as well. Absolutely. So one of the things that I have noticed throughout the year is that it feels as though this is a wave, you know, like the world is changing. Life changed the rules of the game. This is it. There's a new game going on. You can complain, you know, you can fight, you can resist, but it has already happened. And and it seems to me that the people that were more open to realizing this and were more willing to learn the game faster, they were more present, they were being able to read the moment more clearly, experience way less suffering than the others. Not less difficulty, but less suffering. And their transformations were somehow more powerful, larger. I see a lot of people still fighting it, still rejecting it, you know? And it's funny because you see them rejecting it, but you see the transformation at the same time. And it's like, so many people I have met have told me, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to survive. And, and, and they don't see that they are dealing with it already and that they are surviving already, you know? It's just yes. a matter of pointing it out to them, but, but yeah, so much unnecessary suffering. Yeah. But I also realized that life is way more fun if there is a challenge. Well, yeah, we're more, I don't know if I would call it fun because a lot of the challenges that people have been going through are not fun at all, but, but yes, there's, there's, it's more interesting. You know, I remember uh, Laurie Anderson ta telling a story about being stopped at the airport in, in Tel Aviv. She was going to present a show and she had all these sorts of, you know, little bumps that threw smoke and, you know, that made noise and rackets and stuff. And uh, so, of course, when she was coming in, she was stopped by the police and she was she went through a complete interrogation process. And, uh, and she tells the story about how one of the one of the soldiers asks her, so what is what is so good about interesting and she mm. tries to answer this question you know like what do you mean what's so good about interesting well it's it's you know it's, it's alive it's fresh it's colorful and the guy and the guard would keep asking her the weirdest questions you know like so what's what's interesting about fresh you know? and, and you could you can hear how she tells the story, how she's struggling, but at the same time, it, it is something everybody recognizes. And what you are saying is, I think that you know when there is challenge, oh my God, you get to see things that otherwise you would never see. You get to experience things that otherwise you would never experience. You get to value things differently. So, yeah. In the midst of difficulty, there's always opportunity. The other day I was thinking about a theoretical choice. Let's say 
so th there was a cartoon, I think it's called Soul, uh, the recent one that uh, Disney has released. And after watching this cartoon with kids, I had this question in my mind. Let's say before you physically manifest in your body, let's say someone asks you this question, like, hey, dear soul, like before we send you to earth. So you have two options. Option number one, you are born and you're going to live forever and um, nothing will ever kill you. You will never experience need and everything will be catered and met. Like the, the second you want to get some, something, you're going to get it and you will never experience pain or grief or sadness. Basically, you will be negative emotion proof. And once you are proof from negative emotions, you also will be positive emotions proof. And then the other choice is you're going to be born into insane <laughs> world. <laughs> where people will be killing each other and fighting and you will see a lot of injustice and you will see people hurting each other and everyone will be constantly chasing resources and you will experience all this spectrum from you know from grief and sadness and and greed to bliss and happiness and and by the way uh probably all gonna die and very very soon <laughs> and thinking about the answer i think it's a no-brainer you want to be born into insane world to experience it all right yeah your story reminded me of a conversation i had with one of my children he must have been seven or eight and he used to have a lot of nightmares and they were like huge nightmares. And so one day I came home and I told him, of course, it was a lie. You know, it was, I told him I had found this magical drops that if you took them, they would take all the fear away from your life. You know, you would never be scared again. And he looked at me and he said, like, I'm not taking that. <laughs> what do you mean I will never have fear again? What a boring life that would be. It was so interesting. What a lesson, you know? But yes, like it is, it is so clear that we are here to experience every single emotion. And yet we do our best to try to not experience some of them, like try to avoid feeling some of them. And we misunderstand happiness. We understand happiness as experiencing only half of those emotions and not experiencing the other half. When in reality, yeah. happiness is in the freedom to experience everything. So true. It reminds me of fairly recent discovery I made for myself that I called pairing or coupling. So 
every emotion is spared. If you can experience sadness, it will bring you happiness on the other side. There you go. Yeah, and every need is paired as well. For instance, your need for connection will bring at the same time your longing for uniqueness. Yeah. If there is no connection, there is no longing for uniqueness. And I realized that, especially in my practice with clients, I realized that the best way to make someone accept their negative emotion, their like primary negative emotion, is to show them how they can go through the emotion and find what is on the other side. For instance, a mother who is scared and is afraid to lose her child on one side and she doesn't want to experience this emotion. She doesn't want to accept it. She doesn't want even to think about it. But if she goes deep into it on the other side, she will find tremendous love for her child. Because if she doesn't love, she won't be afraid to lose. And once you show them that, hey, you're actually talking about the same, it's the same experience, you're just exploring the ends of it. And if you want, you can be in the middle, but there is no fun in it. You should go all the way through. So you will experience the whole spectrum and your body and your mind will inform your soul about what is happening. And I think this is amazing. I also have a question for you. So the question is about this idea of last story. What do you mean? Everything is a story. And we discussed that many, many times that we can experience life as a story and we don't see that there is a book that is permanent. And I'm using your uh, metaphor. So the book that is permanent and the story that is changing and continuing all the time. And we go through life experiencing the story of the book. And there is something else that I recently realized uh, when I was listening to, I think it was Lex Friedman podcast with the guy, his name is John Beck or something. And he was sharing this idea of Dalai Lama. And this is the first time when I kind of settled to understand what the person means. Generally, it's real fast. You know, stuff is simple and you understand it fairly fast. But when you see absolutely fresh and new thought, you're like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. So Dalai Lama is not a person. Dalai Lama is an idea or Dalai Lama is a government. And Dalai Lama is immortal. It's impossible to kill Dalai Lama because once the body that is manifested is killed or dies, the next person will be the story of Dalai Lama will be uploaded to the person. Will embody. 
It will embody, absolutely, yes. So if we use the language of computer science, the body of Dalai Lama is a hardware and the story of Dalai Lama is software. So hardware, you know, like can be desktop or laptop, PC or iPad or phone. This is the hardware, but the software is always the same. So once the hardware, which is the body of current Dalai Lama is gone, the new hardware, like the baby Dalai Lama, is used to upload this new software. So in fact, Dalai Lama, like the one who is Dalai Lama now, he probably is fearless in the way that he's not afraid to die because he knows he's immortal. And there is no self-identification. There is no other person who is embodied into this body as well. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, oh, wow. So basically, the, like even for us, the identity is all made up and the enlightenment is this idea of exploring your own source. And again, again, in computer science, it will be called source code. Okay. Right? And if you want to get to Nirvana, this is the way you do it. You transcend your own story. What is still interesting, there is still the last story. The last story about the source code. Because again, you transcend it, but there is still like something because now you're dissociated from the story. But the story is always on. And you got into new new story and for us is the last story. So my question to you. Do you want to get to the last story? Well, I want to go beyond the story, but I can't go because I am a story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think we all want to get beyond the story, but no, none of us will ever experience a story because we need to disappear in order for the, for the story to disappear. Right. So it seems to me that we are experiencing the hardware and the software and the code all at the same time, you know, creating experience. But there is no way we can escape that. How about what we think or about people who we think are enlightened, those who transcended ego, like Buddha, and Jesus and everyone else? Yeah. Well, I think there are different ways of looking at it, Misha. Sid Banks said, everybody is enlightened, they just don't know it. And you can find different versions of the same idea in every tradition. You know, the, the, the kingdom of the Father is already here. Yes. Right? So it seems to me that 
we we fail to understand that because we want to transcend ego and you know not experience from identity anymore i think it's a it's a double play at any given moment i can be immersed in my story or i can be immersed in the story of the world or i can be immersed in the story of the universe but but when i become present to this moment i am outside of space i am outside of time but i am still experiencing i am still caught up in the story it's just that i am resting in it instead of trying to change it or trying to alter it in any shape way or form and the ability to rest in the story and, and simply experience simply enjoy implies absolute freedom from it at a level that we cannot necessarily understand Yeah, well, that's another way of looking at it. We have no clue what we're think, here for. Marina, that Whatever we this will idea ever we are here to experience is also will be a, story. a story. Whatever well, we will ever like, understand in fact, rationally will be a story. We don't have any clue what we are here for. When we when we get a deeper knowing, there there are no words that that can reach that deeper knowing and so there is no saying oh we are here for this because it's not a figuring out it's a, it's it's just a feeling and it's undescribable but for me at least it has to do with that i am here for for whatever is here now you see and what is inescapable is experience is consciousness is the energy or the principle of thought happening no matter what i do whatever i can think of i will never not experience so it is the ultimate constant and it's it's one side of the coin is experience and the other side of the coin is 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 just awareness but it but it's the same process happening mm -hmm. it's just different ways of looking at it you cannot escape that can i make up the story that that is what i'm here from for then yes i can is it a story well who knows right ultimately who knows but there is there is no going beyond that because that is impossible to escape you cannot subtract yourself from it you cannot subtract yourself from awareness from experience and so in a way the intelligence and the wisdom of life has created the system so that it makes sure that whatever is needed happens <laughs> 
And because this is inescapable, it must happen. So maybe that's what we're here for. Is it a story? Yeah, well, who knows? We, the way we understand is of a different nature. So trying to understand that is futile, is nonsense. Do you realize that yeah. this is true for me and I, I feel like it, it, it might be true for you. If we decide to fully transcend, we probably can do it. Hmm. Yeah. If we decide fully diffuse from the, from the story of us, Probably with some effort, but we will do it. I was talking to someone yesterday and I was remembering this uh, maxim. I think it's the Min dynasty. I'm not sure. But it says, given authenticity, there will be enlightenment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, so what, what does that mean? What is authenticity? And then you can go into Zen Buddhism and see that authenticity is actually impossible because you or the story of you cannot be authentic. It is made of the condition of you, right? <laughs> oh my God. You know, and then you can go into Zen Buddhism and see that authenticity is actually impossible because you or the story of you cannot be authentic. It is made of conditioning, so. I don't think, Marina, it's the problem of being incapable. I think it's something else. Like, when I think about myself, I'm like, hey, I don't truly want to do that. It's not that I cannot, I just don't want to. Because you need to disappear in order for that to happen. So I cannot want to. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, hey, but where is the fun? Like, who's going to experience all of that? Yeah. So that mental construct had to be created. So someone is there to experience. But again, Misha, so really they are of different natures. This is not something we can figure out. This is not something we can make up our minds about or decide. You know, if you really want to do it, then you can. Yeah, well, we don't even know what that means. We don't even know what that means. Who is deciding? And what? Like we, we have no idea what we're talking about. It's all the story. Yes. Is the story of us kind of having a choice. In fact, we have no clue who in the first place have put the idea of choice in our heads. Exactly. So it's like, you know, when people tell you, oh, I have forgiven something or the other. 
I have overcome this or that. If, if you really stop and look at what they're saying, you will see that they are just creating more story, not less. They are not going beyond the story. Because now I am not only the woman who, whose house burned down. I am the woman whose house burned down and overcame it. You see, there's just one more chapter in the book. There's, and I walked up to the guy. <laughs> I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, hey, remember that thing? Mm -hmm. I have forgiven you. And he turned to me and he said, what? What are you talking about? I was like, well, remember that thing? I have forgiven you. And I could see his face, you know, going blank. And he said, that affected you? Really? I had no idea. I thought it had been something amazing in your life. And in that second, the whole charade fell down. It just disintegrated in front of my eyes. And I saw, I saw mm. that I had created the story. I had got lost in it. I had got tangled up. Mm. And then I had to struggle to untangle my the whole charade fell. There was nothing there. Nothing had happened in my eyes. And I saw, I saw that I had created the story. I had got lost in it. I had got tangled up. And then I had to struggle to untangle myself. But it was all made up. There was nothing there. Nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah. You see? And so me trying to get enlightenment, trying to transcend ego, it's one more chapter in the book. It's not, it's not the page. It's not the, the physical book at all. Have you ever heard this phrase, all we need to do is try to be a good animal? There you go. That's authentic. So the idea is that, hey, you don't need mental, mental contracts. And we can learn awareness from animals. Like you can learn awareness from your dog or you can learn awareness from your cat. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're not trying to be, they're not trying to pretend. No, that isn't are. that renunciation of the self as well. And the animalistic oh, part Michelle, is already so, so big in you. So often, like, you know, like that you don't need to become day, someone. You just need Jason. to go to yeah. basics and become a good animal again. <laughs> Within one conversation with a friend of mine, it lasted for a few hours, but one conversation yes. with a friend of mine. In many ways. I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I was, you know, reflecting back on the conversation. And I caught myself falling for it at least four times through that afternoon. Yeah, I was, I was just reflecting back on the conversation. I was saying, oh my God, I was so lost in identity right there. I was, I was feeling all this and I was trying to save my reputation big mm -hmm. time. Like I still coming back, to right? Like coming back to you and, and playing out and the conversation I, I in your head. See again, I went, oh, and then I let it go. But then I got caught up again with this. And oh 
God, I was so lost in identity right there. I was, I was feeling all this and I was trying to save my reputation big time. Like I so wanted to be seen one way or another. And then I, I would see again, I went, oh, and then I let it go. But then I got caught up again with this and, you know, so, so imperceptible. Like it just happened. Right? I was telling this person about a situation I was going through and, and he was trying to bring up a solution, right? And I was like, no, 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 you don't need to help me. I can do this by myself, you know, thank you. But I am a powerful woman. I can, I am an independent, powerful woman. I can do this. And then he, he backed up and he said, yeah, okay, sure, perfect, no problem, right? But then I saw that when I was thinking that, I said, oh, I am creating the story that I am an independent, strong, powerful woman. I need to destroy that belief in me. But that would mean that I might appear <laughs> at some point as if I were asking for help or needing, or you know. So I must go and tell my friends that I am going to destroy my independent, powerful woman identity so that they are aware of that fact. And if I act needy, they do not judge me as needy. Do you see how ridiculous yeah. that is? And how big the story is, like the whole book. Oh God, Misha, you know, like it's just layers and layers and layers. And I, in the end, I just gave up. I said, okay, I will go to my friends and I will tell them everything. <laughs> you know, like, guess what? I am trying to save my own ass from you. <laughs> Thinking that I might be this because I am in a quest to destroy my identity. How absurd is that? Yeah. Oh, Misha. So I gave up. I gave up. Because giving up, like surrendering, is really, truly the only thing left if we want to leave the story, if we want to drop the story and get the tiniest glimpse of what there can be beyond it. We need to surrender. It is not up to us. This has to do with grace. You have to offer yourself up for that experience, become open to that possibility. And then, you know, it might or might not happen, but, but you cannot make it happen. It is of a different nature. It has nothing to do with an eye. You know what is scary in that? So the, the one of the biggest transformation that happened to me is this idea of surrendering. And what I'm doing since the beginning of this year is pretty much surrendering. Like I'm even when I don't want to, I just sometimes even force myself to do it. And I think everything was going really, really well until, until recently. <laughs> One of my clients, she was like stating like, Misha, I'm looking at you and you're so calm and uh, you're smiling all the time and you're so peaceful. And when I'm with you, I feel clarity. But tell me honestly, 
don't you have a dream? And such a simple question, you know, stopped me. And I had to keep quiet for a second and reflect on it. You can take it from, uh, what were you saying? And yeah, so, until recently. Until recently. Yes. So until recently, oh, one of my clients, she, she said, uh, Misha, uh, I look at you and you're so peaceful and you're so calm and I feel clarity when I'm nearby and you're smiling all the time and you're making fun of yourself and of everyone else. But tell me something honestly, don't you have a dream? So this is what she asked, don't you have a dream? And I had to freeze literally and settle and think about it. You see, I do not. And I remember what it is like having a dream. Like, you know, dreaming of a better house or dreaming of a better car or dreaming of doing something big in this world. But today for me, it's so different. Today I am just, I am. I have no ideas about the right way to build the future. And I'm just, again, trying to be a good animal. You know, living and doing what I think I need to every day without thinking where it's going to, you know, lead to or what is the final arrival destination, etc. But Misha, tell me something, because I, I, I understand what you're talking about. But I have had the experience of letting go of all that. And then not creating a dream, but discovering that suddenly there is a dream in me that I have no idea where it came from. And, and, and that seems to want to be expressed through me. It is not personal. It's just... Mm -hmm something that seems to come with a different kind of energy that is pushing me forward, guiding me towards something, you know? And, and so I would tell you, I don't have a dream, but there are dreams in me that move me. 100%. It's just different qualities. Like, I don't have a dream personally, but it seems that this dream is leaving me right now or lives through me right now. Like, for instance, probably I'm going to write my third book. And go. look, I'm like me personally, Marina, I'm done with books. I don't want to write them. I don't have a dream to write three or five or seven books, but uh, there is not much I can do. It's just going to happen. Seems so. And it's not that someone is negotiating with me. 
It's more like someone is informing me. Right. About what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing next. Yes. Yeah, exactly. This year, you have also experienced something I want to talk about. The idea of unconditional love. And idea of that you don't need to be with someone to love unconditionally. You can be alone and keep going and loving unconditionally. And again, it's not sometimes up to you to decide. Can you share that? Oh man, you're touching deep buttons today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that journey began a few years ago for me. And uh, I, I very distinctly remember asking for that lesson, hmm. asking to experience unconditional love. I had no idea what I was getting into, Misha. But yes, it has been quite a journey. And what I have come to see is that we have such a shallow understanding of what love really is, you know, in day-to-day in -day life. And uh, it has taken me losing the person I loved or the person I love. <laughs> not once, but many times in the last few years too, and in many different ways. Like there are, there are so many different expressions of that same event mm -hmm. that have happened. But every time I go back to, oh, this happened and there is still love in me. Mm -hmm for this person and oh and now that happened and there is still love in me for that person and oh this happened and there is still love in me for that person and so I have really come to see the difference between pref the preference of being being with that person and loving that person unconditionally mm -hmm. like, we have no idea of what unconditionally actually means. It means like there is absolutely nothing that needs to happen or stop happening or change in order for your love to keep expressing yeah. itself in your life, right? And so, but, but this nothing seems, it, it is unfathomable. You cannot imagine what it is. It's like, Oh right, this person can leave and I can never speak to them to them again, or they can be mean to me and be horrible to me and and lie to me and anything, anything. And they will still there will still be love in me for them. Yeah. And 
And I have let go of every, every single preference I had. And, and now I have discovered absolute love in absolute freedom. You know, like there is nothing I need to do or you need to do in order for me to love you. You are absolutely, entirely free. And it's not a freedom that I am giving you because I love you. No, it's, it's, the, it's your birthright. It is the freedom that, you, that is inherently yours. This is not something I can give you or take away. I am just recognizing your freedom, honoring your freedom, and allowing you to exercise that freedom in any way you want yeah, so you're saying whatever you do or do not do, I'm going to love you. And there is nothing you can do about it. There is nothing you can do about it, but it's not even a decision. You know, exactly. That's the whole point. And, I, it, and also, less, it's not up to me. <laughs> it's not up to me. It's like, I mean, in the last couple of years, Misha, believe me, there have been times when I have begged, begged. For this love to just be exercised from my body, you know, from myself. But I asked for the lesson. So it's like, oh, yeah, I keep learning. I keep learning. I keep learning. And, and yes, there is nothing you or I can do about it. This is it. Yeah. This is it. And that has given me a whole new insight into what loving the world, loving everyone can be. It's like, no, this is this is this has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me recognizing that possibility. It's been tough, Misha. It's been tough. Yeah, and I am fascinated by by that. For me, it's, it's I had similar experience and. I realized that you can say, I love you and you're fired. Oh, yeah. Or I love you and I hate you. Yes. Right? Or I love you and I'm sorry, I have to let you go. Or I love you and I'm done, like we'll never see each other again. It's so incredible that unconditional love, like any other emotion, doesn't have to inform your decisions and your reactions and your behaviors. It's of a different nature. Absolutely. And this is incredible. It really is. It really is. You know, and, and, and throughout these years, it has felt like we have both been characters, you know, played out by love, played out by circumstance, played out by so much. And it's like, there is nothing we can do about this. Everything this person did had to happen. Everything I did had to happen. It's been, it's been Oh my God, eye-opening to an extreme level. And you realize that love has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. It's just of a different nature. It has nothing to do with anything else. 
in our private conversations, if I may share that, you also told me that one more phrase, I love you and I have capacity to love another one. Well, that too. Do you see the inconditionality? Yeah. And I don't need to need to love only you in order ex- to love you. Exactly. <laughs> and this is like, especially for someone like my, myself and you, for someone who brought up in the idea of uh, monogamic relationships, right? The idea of like, once you have this emotion, let's say emotion of love, it takes all the space, right? But what we are discovering is that I can love you and I love you and you and you and everyone. <laughs> and I have capacity to love more. Like really understanding what unconditional means is the whole game changer. Yeah. Amazing end of the year and end of this episode, Marina. Amazing, Misha. Amazing. Be careful what you wish for, what you ask for. So true. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, those those wishes are are placed in you. They are they are guiding you. Listen to them. Follow them. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing journey. I wish you the best year ever <laughs> hey <laughs> it has to be it will be i know so it will be there is no other choice there is no other choice i love you Michelle. i love you too and see you soon in the new year see you 2021 2021 my dear see you bye thank you for listening the School for Mystics podcast.